Hi everyone, I'm Robert Ring, host of the Classic Gaming Podcast, and I'm going back and inserting this little intro to our first episode here, because I want to add sort of a pseudo-disclaimer. Currently, we've been doing the Classic Gaming Podcast for close to two years, and something we've learned over this time is that most of our fans who discover our podcast listen to an episode, decide they like it, and go back to the very first episode, this one, and listen all the way through all episodes until they're caught up to where we currently are. My co-hosts and I never really thought that this would be the case, and we think it's totally awesome, except for one thing. A lot of our early episodes kind of suck. At first, our pacing is a little off, though we eventually hit our rhythm pretty well, but even worse than that is the sound quality for a lot of these early episodes, which really ranges from bad to terrible. Episode 3 still makes my eyes water. So if you're a new listener checking out our podcast, I would just suggest that maybe you start with episode 9, which is where we sort of agree that we started having pretty good audio quality, and we kind of hit our stride with the game discussions themselves. That's all, I won't take up any more of your time, just don't let episodes 1-8 through turn you off too badly, skip them if they're too painful for you, and thanks a bunch for checking us out. Now, for episode 1. Starting. 3, 2, 1, we're starting. Hi everyone, welcome to the Classic Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Ring, and I'm going to tell you guys what the uh, what, what, what this podcast is going to be about in just a second, but first I'd like to introduce my two co-hosts, uh, Jay Totoro. Jay, say hi. Hi. Jay was a uh, gladiator level player in World of Warcraft, and he was also a uh, community caster for the IGN Pro League for StarCraft II, and the other is Blake Corey. Blake, you say hi now. Hey there. Blake was a semifinalist in the Binding of Isaac League Racing in this past uh, in the past in, in season two. Blake, did you play in season one as well? No, I didn't actually. Not season one, so just season two. And uh, he was completely undefeated, by the way, until the semifinal round. So uh, and also check out Blake's Twitch stream. Blake, you run your Twitch stream pretty regularly, where you play a lot of uh, kind of like Metroidvania games. Well, a lot of like rogue, I guess, mostly rogue games, right? Um, a lot of that, yeah. It's a lot of uh, indie games and some retro games. And what's what's the name of your Twitch stream? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Slackaholicus. Cool. Alright, so uh, what the Classic Games podcast is going to be is it's going to just be us as modern day gamers who grew up with all the classics, um, got a chance to play a lot of them, didn't get a chance to play a lot of others, uh, and we're just going to be revis- revisiting these. We'll be playing some of the ones that we did play, uh, kind of discovering the ones that we missed along the way, and uh, and we're just going to kind of spill our thoughts about the games. So, um, this is here we here we go with episode one. And before we actually start talking about the games that we that we played recently, uh, I want to I have a question for you guys. Are you guys do you do you get sucked into like the uh, Steam and GOG sales as badly as I do? Yes, terribly. Terribly so. Jay, you're not as much into these, are you, or are you? Yeah, no, I'm primarily, I use emulators, and I just play, I don't play old school games, I don't play too much like the indie games, or, I'm not a big fan, I'm not too into it. Well, so, uh, GOG just recently, you know, GOG, of course, if you're not familiar with them, they are a a game, a digital distribution website, and they they, they have a lot of indie games, but they also have a huge focus on older classic games. And Their they name actually is actually good old gaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah God so that's what GOG stands for. Yeah. 
And uh, they just had their sale. And by the way, if you're listening to this, this would have been like a couple weeks ago because we're recording our first episode a little bit in advance. But anyway, GOG just had their fall sale over the weekend, and it was they would put up a game 75% off. (laughs) What the hell was that? That's my phone. (laughs) I thought it was on silent, but it got turned off apparently. Rocket launcher. Super professional. Continue. Okay. So anyway, they just had a big sale where they would have like a thousand, cop- a thousand copies of a game, 75 or 80% off, something like that, and uh, then it would switch to a new game once all those were taken. And um, Blake, did you were you aware of the sale, and did you get any? Did you buy anything? I got from an it? email about it, but I was like, no, no, I can't check this out. I can't spend the money. I can't look. So I just avoided it entirely. That was probably smart because I ended up <laughs> buying and, and purely just out of the classic games. Uh, I ended up buying Wing Commander Privateer, Wing Commander 4, Ultima Underworld 1 and 2, King of Dragon Pass, System Shock 2, Beyond Good and Evil, and Siberia. And that's along with The Witcher 2, which of course is in the classic game, and, and one or two others. But, so, Blake, you have, I guess, a little bit more uh, self-control when it comes to that kind of stuff than I do. But, uh, a little. I'm, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Comparatively. And uh, I, on the other hand, am a complete sucker for these things. So anyway, I'll be playing some of those in the coming weeks, but I also have a huge backlog of older games from uh, from from previous sales that I still haven't gotten to, so who knows when I'm actually <laughs> going to get to one of these specifically. Huh? The eternal problem. The eternal problem. It gets worse. Not to mention Steam sales are coming up, too. Yeah, I think the Steam sale, yeah. at the time we're recording this, the Steam sale, I'm guessing, I'm thinking it's probably going to start tomorrow because it usually starts on a Thursday. and oh, uh, yeah. And they haven't had their fall sale yet. And they got to get that out of the way so they can have their Christmas sale. I'm thinking the Steam sale is probably going to start tomorrow. So by the time you guys are listening to this, probably the Steam sale will already have happened. We're so, dating yeah. ourselves. Oh, no. So, so Gog, <laughs> Gog got a... Good piece of my wallet before Steam was able to this time, although I'm sure Steam's going to take their <laughs> share as well. But okay, well, I just wanted to see if if I'm if I'm the if I'm the worst one of us when it comes to huge sales like this, and it seems like I am. So with that <laughs> confirmed, let's move on to the regular part of the show. Uh, Jay, why don't we start with you first? What what uh, classic games have you been playing recently? Um, so I primarily focus on RPGs. Uh, I grew up with RPGs, especially like Square, SquareSoft and Square Enix um, early on. Um, so I primarily played like a lot of their games, which made the mainly their titles were like Final Fantasies, um, which I know I you've played a couple. I have heard of that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, they, have, they have a couple off, offshoots as well, which is some of the games I'm probably going to play in the future. Like Secret of Evermore was a really cool game that I played when I was growing up. And I think I a lot of people... Game. Yeah, see, a lot of people know that game. It's It's really unique for its time, but um, for this time, I played um, Final Fantasy Tactics, and Robert, I know you've been playing it a little bit recently. Yeah. And um, this is probably my, my third or fourth playthrough. I played it since I was a kid, and, and actually had a lot of difficulty when I was younger, but um, it's it's really unique. It's it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, what 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 did you think of it so far, I mean, that you've played? Well, I would describe it, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with Final Fantasy Tactics, and you are a little bit more familiar with, with like current games, it's a lot like... Uh... XCOM, right? It's like it's a kind of, but not as terrifying and punishing. Well, <laughs> not as, right, right. But it, but the, but I mean, the ga- gameplay wise, the mechanics yeah. work the same. It's like it's, it's the like grid, grid based, yeah, grid based yeah. strategy RPG. 
Um, yeah, not as not as punishing where you lose one guy in <laughs> Iron Man mode and you just have to start all over, fifteen hour save. Um, but yeah, so I actually have been I've been playing that for a very long time. In fact, I've been I think I, I so I I got it on iOS at like in like March of this year, and I've just kind of like occasionally go back to it. and I'm probably about twenty hours in or something at this point, uh, and. I get into these weird grooves with with Final Fantasy Tactics where I will start playing and then I'll be kind of hooked onto it for like three or four hours worth of play. And then after that, I'm kind of like done with it and I don't really want to, I don't really feel compelled to go back to it and, uh, until like two months later when I'm like, when I have nothing to do, I'm sitting on the couch or I'm maybe traveling or something. And, sure. uh, you know, I play it because I, because I don't have a ton of games on uh, my iPad and I'm like, oh wow, this is really awesome. And I get back into it, get a good another three or four hours, and then uh, and then I'm done. And so right now I'm actually at the point where, you Spoiler. know, it, where, <laughs> not, not 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 in the story because I'm actually I've actually played this so sporadically that I'm having trouble even remembering really what's going on with the story. Oh, but, that's uh, so important. That game, yeah, I was though. gonna say that's that's what's I know. so unique about it. I know it is kind of. Uh, uh, you talk about the story in a second, but for me, I'm at a point where I'll start a battle. And uh, the battles are, you know, where they're pretty challenging now. And I'll play for, like, 15 minutes, one battle, and end up losing. And I don't feel like playing, like, replaying that whole 15 yeah. minutes. So then I just put it down. And, and and that's kind of where I am at it right now. What What is it? So you've, pl- you've played this game before. And you're this is yeah. the first time you've played it, of course. Right, Jay? you played it. No, I've, I've played it a couple times. The reason, actually, it was, it was the reason I was playing it, this usually happens to me, is, like, when I'm telling somebody else about it. Like, when I was convincing you to buy it. That's when I ended up started playing it because I was like talking about how much how what I liked about it and um, I mean the gameplay is is really unique it's it's very you have to be very patient you have to be very methodical which might not appeal to a lot of people today um, but like uh, Blake was talking about it's it's somewhat unforgiving at times and you have to be very strategical but at the same time it's not just the the battles that really bring it together it's the storyline storyline's like very enticing it's very linear which again some people today are, are kind of against. But it's it's a very very good storyline, and there are certain parts of it when you're killing or fighting certain battles, you just like have this like emotional feeling where you just you just want to win more than anything in the entire world just because of how good the storyline drags. Cough cough end of chapter one. Uh, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, so son of a bitch, Alvis. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I'm pretty sure I'm way past chapter one, and I actually don't even remember what happened. What you guys are you, talking? You have about. to do it all at once. That's the thing. Like you you have to keep because it is. It is relatively complicated. One of the other things I like about it is the the dialogue that they use or the types of words. It's kind of old fashioned, almost like I want to say old English, but I don't think that's the right term. But it's, there's it's, like, I know what you mean. It is sort of. Yeah. It's, it's really like it's it's a lot like that. Yeah, exactly, and, and that also makes it a little bit you know more cool and and obviously like strategizing. I mean, the fights themselves. A lot of people will say you you don't really strategize too much other than positioning and and stuff like that. But it's in between battles when you get to decide what you want to do with each character. Because you basically get a party of, of four to five um, of characters, and there's 20 different jobs. So you can basically decide early on kind of what, what kind of way you want to go with them. And then you level them in that certain direction so that you can build certain abilities. Like, I put all my char- I trained all my characters to do one class in particular because it had one really good ability. Well, then I never use that class again. And it's, it's kind of cool like that where you can like take pieces and you get to assign certain abilities for each character. So it makes it really cool to kind of strategize, and it's fun to work your way towards it and, like, kind of get the abilities that come with it. The one thing that kind of sucks is when somebody dies, and, like, for instance, you can't save for any reason, or you, 
or you don't want to restart, it's a lot of work to get a character back up to where you're probably at in the story. So let me, about the classes and all, uh, one of the things that was a little bit hard for me, and it wasn't really a turnoff, it was just something that makes the game more challenging, was I didn't know, there, there's there's not like a uh, like a class tree that you can view in the game. Like on, yeah. like yeah. on you know, even I guess a lot of the Final Fantasies now, or in a, you know, like Diablo or something like that, where you can say, okay, I'm going to go this way and eventually I'm going to have these abilities and do whatever. You kind of just have to choose as you go along, and it says, you know, eventually you'll have an option to turn your monk into a geomancer. Right. And you kind of have to decide whether you want to do that, and but you're kind of going in blindly, because you don't know what might come after geomancer, and you don't know what might, what, what else might open up if you just stick with monk, you know, for, for a few more levels or something like that. Do you, find, do you, do you think that is kind of a... Do you think the game benefits from having from you having to discover sort of organically what the classes are, or do you think it would have, or do you, you know, this is of course how a lot of games were back then. Yeah, but do you, think it would, do you think it would Without have been a guide, better? You don't yeah. know how to get a lot of those classes. You're so going what, completely blind. Do you think the game would have been better if, in, in this respect, do you think it would have benefited from some sort of uh, class tree where you could see what you're going for, or do you think the process of having to discover it on your own kind of makes it more re rewarding that way. I think most people, like, like like I said, I played it multiple times. I still will Google things. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I can't remember how to get this class. I'll Google yeah, it. I need a level four this and a level right, three. Exactly. Like, there's certain things. But the, the, the cool thing about it, when I was a kid, it made it a lot harder because if you thought, oh yeah, I remember if you make a level three knight, you can get a monk and you need a monk for this fight because it's useful. If you're wrong and you get to that fight and you are going to have the time of your life trying to figure out different things. Like, there are certain battles. It, it, it increases the difficulty for sure. I don't think it would have made the game better, to be honest. Because at the time, it made it a lot more so? difficult. You don't think so? No, not at the time. Today, hmm. probably, it just simplifies it. Because I think most people like me just Google everything. But I, I think it's. I think it was very unique at the time. I, I think it was obviously a showing kind of the time of the game's. And I, I honestly think it made it a little bit more challenging because it was fun to explore and do different things and, and see what you get, you know, kind of early on. Let me ask you this. So one game that, that comes to mind that I'm thinking of right now is NBA Jam. And <laughs> <laughs> this was yeah. really before, I mean, it wasn't before the Internet, but it was before everybody in the world was on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, and the big thing with NBA Jam was finding codes for like you know players big like head big head mode or like like Sub Zero and, and and Raiden and stuff like that. Um, what, what, do you think the game being how it was when it came out was there some sort of thrill in, in in finding out from like a friend or something? Hey, if you level your knight up to level ten, you get a onion yeah. knight or whatever you get. Was I there... honestly think so. I think that was really cool at the time because, like, there was the internet wasn't a, a big thing, so it, you had to figure everything out. I mean, there was there was certain battles that, like, I because like early on in Final Fantasies, people didn't know. Like, this is something that happens like across all the Final Fantasies. When you're fighting something undead, you can use a, a curing item and it kills it. Uh -huh. People didn't know that for the longest time, and when that came out, like between my group of friends, it was like, you know, revolutionary. It was just insane. Was just... Phoenix down on the Phoenix down right? train. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, so okay. So, so you mentioned the story. I just do. Do you think the story? What to what degree do the story and the gameplay? Do you think it's kind of fifty fifty 
as far as importance goes and, and what makes the game good? Is it kind of a pretty even combination of the two, you think? It, it balances out quite well. I would say it's 60-40 with the story because the fights are fun, but they also get very repetitive. There are There's a lot of times where you will have to grind. There are certain parts of the game that are very challenging. There are fights that I, I specifically note in my mind because I know how difficult they are. Oh, that I already know which ones you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. But, I don't like, want to spoil them for Robert in case he's not there, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain fights where it's like if you don't save properly, you literally have to start over, and it's yeah, it's just really, but yeah, but there, like I was saying, so you have to grind, which you know it does get repetitive, and there are certain points of the game where I was at where it was like these fights are the the non boss fights were a joke, and I was just I was working while I was doing it, so it was like so easy, but the storyline kept it so good, like in between those gaps of difficult fights, it's like there's like easy easy fight, good story, good story. Very difficult fight, and it's like, okay, I don't want to do another hard fight. Okay, now a bunch of easy fights. Good story again. Okay, here comes another difficult fight. Like, it's a very good balance, but in my eyes, I'm, I'm a very big story person. I, I'm very motivated by good stories, and especially, especially with RPGs, but I, I think it's 60-40 story. Gotcha. Blake, anything else to say about Final Fantasy Tactics? Um, I think I'd agree with that for the most part. I, it's uh, The storyline is a big part of the game. It was a way more mature story. Uh, than we were used to, especially in gaming, uh, especially RPGs at that time. A lot of them were more fluffy, lighthearted kind of things, but the tone of the entire game was very dark, very serious, and that it has to be like at least 60-40 story for a game like that. It was so good. And that's not to say the gameplay is not good. I don't, I don't yeah. want to give the wrong message on that. Yeah, sure. Especially if you're a fan of the Final Fantasy the yeah. series in general. If you grew up on it, the ability to play as all those different classes and stuff is it it's a huge hook for the game no doubt awesome all right so final fantasy tactics i know it's out, i know it's available on ios jay yeah. i think you're playing it on a, on an emulator you can download it from the psn store you can download it on an emulator you can play it on your ios or android i think and you can, so I, I also have the original disc too like you can still buy the discs so it is on psn as well i believe so yeah i remember reading that but there are yeah i'm pretty sure it is um, there's a couple different changes in the newer ones, which are actually kind of better. So, but yeah. Cool. All right. Have you been playing anything else? Uh, for this week, I'm going to stay with that because I think I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then we'll sit on the edge of our seats until we hear you next time. I know. Uh, Blake, we'll go on to you. What you've been playing? Uh, well, back around Halloween, I did a whole cast of a lot of Castlevania games. I played Castlevania 1, Castlevania 3, Castlevania 4, and uh, Rondo of Blood. Awesome. Oh, and uh, Castlevania Bloodlines for the Genesis. So what So what platforms do these span? Um, God, it started back on the Nintendo with Castlevania 1 and 3, and then Super Castlevania 4 was on the Super Nintendo... Uh, Bloodlines was on the Genesis, and then uh, Dracula X was also on the Genesis. I played Dracula X, not Rondo Blood, actually. They're so, actually different games. They're they're the same story for the most part. Um, about the only thing that's really similar between them, aside from that, is that they use a lot of the same sprites. Oh, do they? Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of ashamed to say. I think the only Castlevania game I've ever played is the, was the one on Game Boy. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. I, oh, I want to. I want to. I, I really wish I could say I, I I at least played the one on Nintendo as well. 
but I can't, I don't know. I might have, but I really just don't remember. Uh, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but the original one is kind of known, aside from being, it, it is a, uh, known for being a really good game, but it's also known for being, once you get to a certain point in the game, brutally hard. Is that is that incorrect? Um, that's correct, yeah. There's one stage in particular. It, there's a couple stages. It ramps up the difficulty in... Uh... It's actually pretty well paced, I think, in how it works up the difficulty. Okay. But then there's one stage in particular later on that is a real ass kicker for a lot of people. So what's what's the draw with with the Castlevania games for you? Well, for me, a lot of it was the challenge. I wanted to I wanted a really difficult game. Um, I'd actually beaten Castlevania one and three on my cast before, so I wanted to go back to them and see how much better I'd gotten from the first time, see what I remembered about them. And it was it's just a lot of fun seeing like that old school kind of difficult gameplay that they had. Uh-huh. Kind of. Kind of. Which is actually one of the problems I had with one of them, but I can get to that in a bit. But like, yeah, for me, the big draw of it is the difficult platforming, the super punishing stuff, memorizing a kind of route to take through a stage, the safest way, the best strategy to take through every area, when you want to use a sub-weapon, which sub-weapon you want to use, all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. So what is, uh, what, what is it that gets so hard about, about the Castlevania games, or at least the first one? Is it, so uh, when I think of hard games, I, I think nowadays a lot of developers, and certainly not all of them, but a lot of them have sort of figured out the right way to, to make something hard. Whereas, I, I feel like a lot of older games, in, in a lot of cases, the reasons they were hard was because, like, they at some point, the design sort of fell off, and it was just kind of hard for stupid reasons, like the controls weren't good enough to for you to get through whatever you needed to get through, or the stages were designed in ways that didn't really make sense. Uh, how, how does it work out with, with Castlevania? Well, with the first one... I don't think it falls under the category of bad Nintendo hard. It, it has its issues later. There's The very final stage is kind of really, really cheap. But aside from that, I think that overall the game actually avoids that for the most part. Uh, it does have its share. It, it does have a lot of really cheap deaths between uh, instant kill things. I mean, that's the classic Nintendo hard kind of thing. It has a lot of instant death stuff where you'll get hit by a Medusa head... And you're knocked into a pit, and that's it. You have to start over from the last check. <laughs> and that happens a lot. There's a reason that everyone hates Medusa heads if they played old Castlevanias, and it's stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, but the thing is with that, for the most part, you're usually able to learn a really good kind of route. Like, if I stand here at this point, I can wait a second, jump over this Medusa head, and then I can just keep walking forward for the rest of the stage, and I'm in no danger and it, it it avoids really cheesing the player as long as they're willing to kind of adapt and learn the way that the game is, quote, supposed to be played, how you're supposed to get through a certain area, the best way to do it. It's not something where you're going to brute force your way. That's just not going to happen. So does uh, this... I... Go, go on. No, you go don't... <laughs> no. Go ahead. Well, okay, no, All right, no, fine. No, I'll no. talk. No, <laughs> <laughs> Break it up. 
So does this go for all the Castlevania games or are you or is that mainly just the just the first one that's like I feel like that's really just the first one. I enjoy the third one, but I think it's a way way cheaper game in a not good way. I think the first game has a good level of difficulty. And then with the third one they were like, "Oh, hey, you know what? That was fun. We should make it twice as bad." So the third one starts throwing giant staircases at you that have flying enemies coming at you all the time. Oh, wait, hold on. And what platform is this one? Uh, this was also Nintendo. Oh, okay, okay. So this, so in Castlevania 3, it has a lot of cool new mechanics, but then it introduces, like, stages that are two or three times as long as any stage from the first game. It's <laughs> With the insane. same difficulty? With even worse difficulty a lot of the time. <laughs> so the stages are That's longer. brutal. So you have to memorize more things. There's more things in each section that you have to worry about generally. And it just piles on so much stuff. And it like it ramps up the difficulty in a huge way, even just by the second stage. It's crazy compared to the first one. So they start throwing giant stairways at you that uh, are just full of things shooting at you all the time, things flying at you. You literally, you basically have to have pixel perfect placement to not get your ass kicked in an area like this. And then it throws even more instant death places at you. It's just, it. I think Castlevania Three falls into that category of bad Nintendo hard. I enjoy the game, but it has a lot of what I feel like were really bad design decisions like that. Okay. Compared to the first one, where it it ramps it up in a nice manner, and it doesn't usually feel like you're getting screwed over too bad. So, would you, so you, you, you said a few times, for, for both of these games, there's a lot of memorization where you have to kind of go through a level and die a dozen times or so, and kind of figure out what's where and when you need to jump and wait a minute and all that kind of stuff. Is that, for you, is that something that you like about the game, or is it more... Is it just kind of something that you endure? It's that's something I feel like I like about the game. It's like I don't feel like a lot of those deaths are cheap. Generally, it's a it's like a big learning experience, and then I get to bring all of that experience together and beat the crap out of the stage in one <laughs> big go. Eventually, and it's like, look at how far I've come. I couldn't even make it off the first screen for a while. And now I just beat this entire stage and I didn't get hit once the entire time. So it's kind of like a satisfaction of, of sort of mastering something that's really difficult? Yeah, kinda. absolutely. Cause so, so probably for a lot of people, this might, depending on your taste, they would just outright d- dislike a game like this. Oh, definitely. Because I, I don't think the old Castlevanias are for everybody. Not a chance. Sure, because <laughs> a lot of people just outright don't like games where where you have to die basically to learn how to get through a level yeah um and, and memorize things it's and and, and and that's a valid you know I, I i kind of fall somewhere in between i also kind of get annoyed if i have to die on a level to, to figure out how to eventually get past it whereas i feel like you know there should be some sort of fair chance that i'll get through something on my first try yeah there, the cheap ones get really annoying. Like, there's one stage in uh, the first Castlevania uh, where you fall down a pit, 
And at the bottom of the pit, it's like you have to move across a couple, like three or four different moving platforms. And there are bats flying at you this entire time, too. And I think that area. <laughs> and when you is get a hit, when you get problem. hit in Castlevania, they actually it, it like physically it like knocks your player back, right? Yeah, it, you it have huge, huge knockback in that game. So one little bat who does like two bars of health to you, instant kills you in this section because of that. Because he knocks you off a cliff or something. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I think that those deaths, I really am not a fan of a lot of the time, which is what it. it the first Castlevania doesn't rely on that too much. Except in this area, which I really hate that place. Uh-huh. And aside from that, I feel like a lot of the deaths are okay. But those ones are the really cheap deaths that really get under people's skin. And I I totally understand that. And I can definitely see why people wouldn't like the older Castlevanias for that reason alone. Uh, and then so you, you mentioned Super Castlevania as well, right? Oh, yes. And that one is... One of the better ones, is that right? Um, I'd say so. I feel like Castlevania 1 and Castlevania 4 are probably really close in quality for the most part. Okay. Um, which is kind of funny because Castlevania 4 is actually a remake of Castlevania 1. It's a retelling of the uh, the events and story from Castlevania 1. In Castlevania 4, is that Super Castlevania? Yes. Okay. That was on the Super Nintendo. Right, okay. A lot of people have a lot of complaints about that game with... Oh, it gets super easy because the whip is so strong. And I have to wonder if they ever played any of the old Castlevanias because the sub-weapons in that were stronger than what the whip ends up being in Super Castlevania 4. Really? Oh, absolutely. Because, alright, so like in Castlevania 1, holy water. You get the holy water, that's it. You kill every single boss forever. Like, you, there's no challenge left in any of the bosses at that point. Because what you can do with the holy water, you can just spam it at enemies. You throw it at them, like you throw it at a boss, it starts hitting them. If you have multiple, if you have your holy water leveled up, you can throw multiple holy waters. So before the first one even runs out, you throw another one. And then that one's hit-stunning the boss, too. And you can just keep it in a permanent hit-stun state where it never gets a chance to move a lot of the time. It's really, really, really cheap. I like how you're you're using the term like it's there's certain parts of it that are almost like I use the term stupid hard where it's like not fun difficult but it's yeah. like it's yeah. it's overly challenging almost like RNG like random number generator yeah. and like I feel like that's certain things with Castlevania but yeah no I hear you those they're really really good games and holy water <laughs> <laughs> so like everybody always complains that the whole that the sub weapons in four don't matter as much but the thing is they were completely I feel like they were too strong in a lot of scenarios in the first couple games. And then, the like, everyone says the fourth one is really easy because of that, but it still has some really difficult kind of platforming sections. And I, I think it's at least as good as the first game. If not better, honestly. Okay. And was there, was there another one that you... Was there a fourth one that you had been playing? Yes, before? Bloodlines. And, well, actually, also Dracula X... Uh, but Bloodlines is the Genesis game that I played when I was younger, uh, and I don't think I ever made it through Dracula's Castle in that one. But this time, I'd never beaten it before uh, this Halloween, so I, I played it for Halloween, I finally beat it. It was a really, really good game with a couple of faults. It uses a really stupid continue and password system, 
So you have like two continues when you start up the game. If you keep playing it, you burn through your continues, but the password you get when you complete a stage <laughs> saves how many continues you have. I remember that. that style. I was so pissed when I found out about that later on in the game because I made it to the stage right before Dracula's Castle and I was down to like one life left and zero continues and I game over and restarted and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? So I had to play it through from the very beginning of the game again so I could get farther, have enough continues just to advance through the rest of the game. I was so frustrated about that. It's like the it's old easily cool the worst thing about that game. Easily. So that's like the old school version of like almost kind of like having your save corrupted or like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You Because like you cannot advance at that point. Unless you already know what you're doing. It's just completely impractical. So you can't just do it on... It's, it's pretty much impossible on one life? Yeah. So On your first time through, at least. Once you know the game, you can get through there a lot easier, at least. But, so, yeah. Gameplay-wise, how does the one on Sega Genesis compare to the others? Because I... And maybe this is just me, but I feel... You know, I feel like even the even though Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo were basically, like, the same generation, Sega Genesis games in general, just kind of felt a lot different from, yeah, from yeah. Super Nintendo games. How does, how does I was, it compare uh, to I'm not a bit as big of a fan of the Genesis library in general as I am of the Super Nintendo library. Right. Um, but I feel like Bloodlines gets... It does not get the respect that it deserves uh, okay. as a Castlevania game. It's a really, really, really great Castlevania game. Great entry in the series. It's a little more like Castlevania 1 than Super Castlevania is. And it's, uh, like, you don't have the multi-direction whip. Uh, I don't think sub-weapons are as strong in it as they are in Castlevania 1. But it kind of gets a middle ground in between Castlevania 4 and Castlevania 1 with its uh, with the whip damage and the sub-weapon stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. And the music, like, I haven't even touched on music in the series. Uh, Bloodlines has some of the best music, but some of the worst covers or <laughs> remixes or whatever of the classic Castlevania songs. I don't know how it manages that. All of its original music funny. is really, really, really good. But I kind of hate all of its stuff, like the Bloodlines version of Vampire Killer, all of that stuff. I don't know how they did it, but they did. So hats off to them for that, I guess. <laughs> That's an accomplishment, I guess. Yeah. And then, that's yeah. I was going to say, that's something we didn't even touch on is music. Oh my god, like, I didn't even, I've totally forgot about that. That's something I didn't <laughs> even talk about. Music in these old school games was so good. Like Tactics in particular yeah. is an incredible it's, soundtrack. Is it good in Tactics? I oh, it's really amazing. They, see, I, I feel like they ruined it on the iOS version. I've heard it. Oh, really? They updated it, and it's like, the old one was just so good. I'm huh. so glad I am not playing the iOS version of that. <laughs> and okay, and there was one more, right? Um, oh yeah, Dracula X, which was uh, I think it was actually released over here. It did get a U.S. release, but it's What's just not a great entry in the series. It's like from what I've heard, I haven't really played Rondo of Blood in a long time. I played the Vita version of it in uh, Dracula X Chronicles which is actually Rondo of Blood, not Dracula X, which is really weird naming decision there. But the uh, Dracula X is... Eh. 
It didn't do anything great. The sub-weapons were, especially the cross and the item crash with it, just way, way too strong. You completely obliterate bosses with that. Like, it's even worse than the Holy Water was in Castlevania 1. It's insane. And then the last boss is nothing but a, like, 15-minute endurance test of sitting in one spot, jumping when you need to, and whipping them. It was a really, really badly designed fight. So, so not even endurance in, in the sense that you gotta jump around and dodge just right, but you just have to sit in one spot, tap a button. Like, and... you do have to jump around a couple times, <laughs> but, like, once you learn the right spot to be in, it's pretty much, okay, he spawned over here, I jumped to this platform, and now I jump back. Okay, he spawned right there, I whip him, I jump back, and I wait for him to spawn again. And it literally takes, like, ten minutes of just doing that, just to kill the first form. Aside from that, like, it was an okay game. It had some challenging stuff. Um, but it was definitely a way weaker entry into the Castlevania series than I'd hoped for. It doesn't, it doesn't sound incredibly exciting. No, it wasn't. Like, le even leading up to that last fight, like, the last fight kind of just ruined the whole game for me. But even aside from that, it was only okay. It just didn't have any great factors to it, which I, which is funny because I have played uh, Rondo of Blood, like I was saying, and Rondo of Blood was a very, very good game. I really enjoy that, and I need to go back and play that again sometime. But Dracula so, X, eh, eh. What, and what platform was that one? Uh, that was Super Nintendo as well. Interesting. Okay. The um, much less talked about Super Nintendo Castlevania. So okay, well that's. That's a lot of games for you. I'm assuming there you haven't. That's that's about all you have recently. Is that yes? Right or... That's all I have recently right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I guess we're left to me. And I've been playing two games recently, uh, two or two classic games recently. And I'll start off with one that Jay. Well, I'm interested in hearing both of your thoughts, but especially Jay's, which is <laughs> Chrono Trigger. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm. I guess I'm the only person that i know in the world who hasn't played Chrono i was gonna say yet? probably in the world yeah yeah because there's about seven billion other people that have opinions on it you there's only the six billion people in the world so damn i'm really behind so yeah so i i i you know i played i, I feel like i have a pretty good uh game resume <laughs> As far as what I play, but I, I've missed some really crucial ones in, in my day, and I don't know why that was. Uh, I need to go back in time and slap younger me just for missing. <laughs> yeah, but so anyway, I, I'm I'm playing through Chrono Trigger for the first time. Uh, I've got a, I'm, I'm playing it on on PS3, downloaded through PSN, of course, and uh, so right now I'm about uh, ten hours in, wow. and. So, well, first of all, I, I want to tell you how I got... I, I want to tell you about my, my, my opening experience with Chrono Trigger. So, I, 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 you know, I've of course heard that this is the most amazing game uh, multiplied by one billion times better than whatever the second place best game ever in the universe is. And so I finally played it. And so I got to... So I, so I started playing Chrono Trigger. And so you, you, you start off in that opening level where it's like a carnival, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to, like, play some of the games and just, like, dick around until some random person tells you that uh, what's-her-name is done tinkering with, the, with the, her invention. And then you can go up to that one area, and then kind of the, the real story starts. 
Spoiler alert. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> so, so much spoiler. <laughs> so, I, you know, I go and play a few games, and it's like, if you get a few points playing this game, then you can go in this other place and do this other game. And it takes forever to get points to do games. And so I'm playing, and I don't realize that it's just basically a matter of time until you can go up to this one area that's blocked off for a little bit because they say, oh, she's not done with her invention yet, so you can't go see it. So since, I, since that place was blocked off the first couple times I go to it, I'm thinking, okay, I apparently have to play all of the games to advance, past, to advance past the carnival. So one of the games, like, you have to have, like, 120 points to play it or something like that. Like, 120, like, I don't know, coins or something to play it. And uh, you can only get coins by playing the other games. And, like, one of the, coin, one of the games gives you, like, one coin when you win it. One of them gives you 10. Uh, one of them gives you, like, 15. And one of the ones that gives you, like, a fair number of coins is the giant robot that you have to fight. Gato. And it's basically... Gato. He has metal joints. Gata, and he has metal joints. And it's, it's supposed to kind of, like, be, like, a tutorial. Like, this is how you fight in the game. And, but he also gives you coins. So since all of the other ways of getting coins were just, just stupid and ridiculous... And I'm thinking I have to get, you know, hundreds of coins. And that's, and by the way, that's just 120 coins to play the game once. But you might lose the game and have to get 120 again to play it again. And again, I'm thinking that I have to beat this game to be able to advance. So I basically fight the robot over and over again. And, like, the last time I, I uh, beat him, both my guys are down to, like, five health or something like that. But I'm like, whatever, I'll, you know, I'll, I have enough coins now, I can go on. Eventually, I figure out how to progress past this part. It doesn't have much to do with playing the games. It's just kind of a matter of time. So I go through all that. Uh, I advance to the part where... Uh, what's, what's, what's the girl's name? Marla or Luca. Luca. Where she shows you her invention, and then you get sucked into a time portal, and that's kind of when the game starts. So and that was I your do... 10 hours, because that's how long you spent at the... <laughs> <laughs> well, I say 10 hours... <laughs> Ten hours after after this game, because what happened was, <laughs> so I get sucked through the time portal, okay, and then it takes you to the world map, and the game also doesn't tell you how to save because you can't save when you're in a town. You can you can save if you're in a town and there's like one of the little sparkly things, but there's none of those at the beginning. It doesn't tell you you can save when you're on the world map. You just have to figure that out on your own. So I'm like, all right, I can't save, I can't save. Hopefully, I'll get to a place where I save soon. I, I go to the first, uh, like, the woods or whatever, and I get up to the first bad guy, and since <laughs> the bad guy oh, walks no. up and kills both of my characters in one hit, <laughs> because I had fought, because I had fought oh. Gata so many times, and he got me all the way down to, to, you know, like, five health on both of my guys, so the first real bad guy completely kills my party, and I hadn't saved yet, and I <laughs> Because <laughs> I didn't oh know how to God. save, so I have to start all over. <laughs> so, that was about two and a half hours. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, this, and, and, so, and this was like, it was probably 11 o'clock at night at this point. Luckily it was a Friday. And I'm like, screw this, I'm not going to wake up in the morning and start all over again. I have to get back to where I am, or else I'm probably never going to end up playing this game again. So, uh, I do a little Googling, find out how to save the game. I also find out that you don't... <laughs> oh, man. Instruction booklets for OT. 
I also find that, that you don't actually have to play all of the games. You just kind of have to play a few of them and wait a little while, and then you can go on. So, th- so, so this time I'm actually playing the game. I get past the first part <laughs> in record time, and and I and I don't and I don't die to the first bad guy that comes up that you're supposed to really be able to kill in like one hit, and uh, and then I finally get playing the game. So on my second playthrough, I'm about ten hours in now. Uh, and, and right now, so I want to ask you guys, is this, so a lot of my experience, I, I'm not a huge JRPG guy, but I, you know, I've, I've played a fair number of them. My experience with a lot of, uh, JRPGs is the first eight hours or so are usually, are, are pretty often so-so or pretty good. And then after that, the good ones, it's like after that eight hour mark, they explode and become just really yeah. awesome games. Almost like it kind of ramps up. <clears throat> yeah. Is it? I'm I'm ten hours in now, so I, now so I can't really see look at the whole progression. But is this one of those games? I think Chrono Trigger is a is a is a um, exception to that rule. Chrono Trigger, I, I'm so happy that you played that game because it, Chrono Trigger is um, honestly one of the best games ever made, like hands down. I, I think from start to finish, Chrono Trigger is good. It, it's Maybe not story-wise, but just like the battle, like the way that the battles are, it, I think it just entices somebody to play for eight to ten hours without even realizing it and getting you into the story really, really well. Okay, because I'm, like I said, I'm about ten hours in now. I'm, I'm enjoying the game, and I'm definitely having a good time playing it, but I'm not like, wow, this, is, this has got to be one of the best RPGs I've ever played. Yeah. Um, is that a matter of me playing it too late in the... In, in life, in it's the history of video It has games. a lot of the old RPG kind of tropes, but it helped make a lot of them popular. It was it was huge at its time because it did all of the things that were not totally common at the time, and it did them well. It did them very well. Uh, like, okay, how far are you in at this point? Ten hours... Are you in the? I, I just got past the. I just got past. Well, I've made it. I've I've gone back and forth from the future. I just got past the part where you go to like 600 billion BC or whatever. Okay, and, 65 million, I think. Okay, I was a little lost. And you meet the cave, the caveman girl, and she like escorts you, and then you got, and then you go through some stuff. And you get the rock, and you get the, uh, the sword. You know what? Actually, I'm a little ways past that. I take it back. I, I'm I'm on the part where you know there's Ozzy, Flea, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, Ozzie, Slash. Flea, Slash, yep. Yeah. I I beat Slash and Flea, and Ozzy's like the, the the main one, right? Yeah. And I'm a, I think I'm a, I'm a, my last save. I'm about to fight him. Oh shit! You are right at the part of the game where things really really pick up. Then okay, I kind of had a feeling that was the case because I'm I've been having. Like I said, I I definitely enjoy the game. There's a lot of really sort of endearing aspects to it. Like the characters are kind of like goofy and funny, and I like the way like uh, Robo, for instance, when when you like even just his post battle pose, like where he kind of like does a fist. Yeah. Um, just little things like that. Like when they get scared, they kind of go into this little animation where they jump up and like all their arms and legs are out, and like yeah. little random touches. Like there's this one, just regular bad guy encounter. But one of the bad guys like slides down a stair a stair rail to, to jump into the fight. Uh, oh, just yeah. little things, just little things <laughs> like that. I really enjoy about it. the The combat is is pretty fun. 
uh, like I said, I don't f- I, at this point I don't feel like I'm at the point where it's just mind blowing. But I I kind of had a feeling that it that that it was about to ramp up. Uh, I feel like I've always thought that uh, the part where you get uh, where you go into the past with all the Dino people, I always felt like that was a big low point in the game for me personally. Okay. It's not bad, but it it feels like it really slowed down the pace until you get to the end of the that storyline and then you can kind of figure out and put things together from there of how it fits in and then right at the point where you're at things are about to get real in chrono trigger okay things are definitely about to pick up there is it a spoiler if i ask if frog gets to stay with me because i love frog um you have to play the game no make him play make him play what do you do (laughs) he dies you said yes so i was like all right i guess we're answering it Kill well, I guess yeah. there's my answer. <laughs> I mean, I love Frog and Robo, and I and, and the cave the cave girl was pretty cool too. I, I I thought it was kind of amusing, like just the way she talked, and like when they tried to explain when they're that they're from the future, and she says, like, "Stop talking, you make head explode." Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that was kind of funny, but yeah, I love Frog and I, and I love Robo as well. Even though my uh, my party right now is Chrono Frog and uh, uh, Marl, um, but yeah, I, I really want to. I really hope Frog gets to stay stay around with me. So, but I'll I'll be playing that more in the uh, in the coming weeks before the next uh, episode of the podcast. So, I'll, maybe maybe I'll get to maybe I'll get to talk about it a little bit more uh, detail as far as the, the things that the game really does that that I'm enjoying, since I'm apparently at this part where it's about to kind of blow up. Yeah. Um, and that's like right after that is when this, everything really starts to come together in the game. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, then. Okay. In that case, I have one more. Um. Now I oh, just we're done talking about Chrono Trigger. Oh no! Are we? Are, is there more to say? <laughs> um. What do you think of the music? The music is is funny. Is what I think of the music. I'm offended. It's, it's cute. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know if I should be offended. I I don't know how to feel right now. It's it's cute. It doesn't most you know a lot of a lot of music a lot of video game music doesn't stand out to me one way or the other, and sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's kind of eh. Uh, Chrono Trigger's music does stand out to me, not as like this is really good music. Uh, you know, of course that's that's part of the that's part of the 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 age of the game, but it it does stand out. Like I did, it's something that I actually noticed because it's kind of cute music, like the uh, like the like the caveman music, for instance, uh, it's just kind of got this weird sort of little vibe. Like, like they're really trying to do something like fun, and that's kind of that's kind of how a lot of the a lot of the sound and a lot of the music in the game is to me. What, what, where my uh, steer me steer me straight on the music, I guess. The music is classic. It's fantastic. Yes. Good word. <laughs> uh, what's kind of funny about the music in Chrono Trigger actually is that at the time that was when uh, Uematsu was doing a ton of work for Squaresoft back when it was still Squaresoft oh those were the days but uh, Uematsu was the big music composer for them at the time but he didn't do almost any of the music in Chrono Trigger it was actually done by uh, uh, Yatsunori Mitsuda I think is his name and uh, Uematsu only has like four tracks in it. So I always thought it was really cool that there was actually another composer 
working at Squaresoft at the time that made such an iconic, classic, important soundtrack. And it's like, there's just no bad tracks in the whole thing. Like, I could go listen to the whole thing right now. I, I kind of feel like listening to Black Omen a little bit. Really? Yeah. I absolutely love all the music from that game. It's one of the... It's just For me, it's one part nostalgia and two parts amazingly well done soundtrack. You know, we 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 need to have an episode just on uh, classic game soundtracks. Because there are. I'm pretty sure that's gonna be a repeat every time we talk about games. (laughs) At least we can have like two or three different episodes just about old music. This really makes me excited to. uh, At some point, I'll I'll be replaying Monkey Island, and that has the best, like my favorite soundtrack probably of any game ever. But that's for another. That's for another time. Um, I've actually never played uh, never played the Monkey Island specific. Alright, well we know what you're playing for next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you know, we actually we'll do that pretty soon. We'll have you know, maybe actually Christmas is coming up. We'll have a uh, we can have a Christmas episode where we gift each other a game. Ooh. But and you have to play we'll say like you have to play at least five hours or something of whatever game you get. I feel like no matter what game I give Blake, he's going to be able to beat it. But Robert, I think you on the other <laughs> oh, side of the I'm going to give you the, the hardest game ever. Oh, man. That is true, actually. Blake's a lot better at games than I am. Well, you know what you should give Robert? <laughs> Make him play it again. Make him play Dragon's Lair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not want to ever play Dragon's Lair again. Oh, man. No, we're not gonna do. We're not doing Dragon's Lair. We're not doing Dragon's Lair. Oh well. Although maybe I'll give that to. I'll give. Well, no, I'm already gifting Monkey Island. We'll we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll, we'll we'll get the logistics on this <laughs> figured out before Christmas. But yeah, I don't. We'll we'll talk about Dragon's Lair in some episode because that's that's uh it's a classic game and the animation is awesome, but gameplay wise, it's got to be one of the most ridiculous games I've ever played. Yeah, definitely. And I have but, to say, on the, to end the music thing, how can you hear Frog's theme and not get hyped? How can you say that's cute? Uh, no, okay, well, no, no, I will say that. Frog's theme, actually, I do remember being, it is actually awesome. Okay, alright. At least I got that much out of you. You got it. And I will, com- I will 100% agree on that. Um, so anything else to say about Chrono Trigger? Besides, I'll be playing some more of it and we'll talk about it some more next time. You better beat it. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll you beat better it beat sure. it multiple times. <laughs> I, I that's all I'm gonna say for now until sounds like finish. my Friday night. Boom. <laughs> uh, and with that, and with that, we'll go on to Space Quest Four. Uh, I don't even remember what the damn full name of the Space Quest games is. Uh, Roger Wilco Space Quest Four. I'm about to Google this shit. Space Quest Four. Space Quest Four: Roger Wilco and the Time Rippers. Um, okay, so did he, have either of you guys ever played any of the Space Quest games? No, nope. Now, are either of you very much into like point-and-click adventure games, or have you ever been? Uh, very early on, not so much anymore. Okay, so this is going to be like the this is going to be like the theme I, of the podcast. I have a feeling like I'm the point-and-click adventure guy. Jay is the JRPG or just RPGs in general, I guess. And then, uh, Blake, you're kind of more like the platformer slash really hard 
and slash uh, kind of like Zelda-like games. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. But so so space so so Space Quest Four is a classic point and click adventure game by Sierra. Um, and this was a game that I did grow that I did play growing up, and uh, I, I played a couple of the Space Quest Four games. And uh, so there there are six of them total now. We talked about Monkey Island a second ago, which was a which was a, a LucasArts game, of course. Another point and click adventure game. Now, for me, the huge the the, the big difference between uh, LucasArts point and click games and Sierra point and click games was in the Sierra games you could actually die, and there was a, a, a death state in the game where you would have had to have a save, or else you have to start over. Which you know, of course, you will always have a save, but. In the LucasArts games, for instance, very there there might have been one or two, but pretty much that you couldn't die in any in, in any of them. It was always just you kind of go around and, and you have to you know when you figure something out you advance, but there's no, there's no, there's never going to be something happening where your character is going to die. Um, so for me growing up, the Space Quest games and and this is true for also for the King's Quest games, uh, they were kind of more intimidating and a little bit like. It was like when I was playing a Space Quest game. It was like this was hard. It was like my version of hardcore gaming, because <coughs> you could actually die in this in this point and click adventure game. <laughs> now, a quick a quick note about the Space Quest series. I through of course another GOG sale was was when I bought all the Space Quest games recently. Well, it was actually it was actually a few months ago, but they had all they had a huge sale with all the Sierra games for like twenty five dollars. So I own Space Quest one through six, and I was like, I'm gonna start off with playing Space Quest one. Now, I anybody who's interested in going back and checking out the Space Quest games, I'm gonna say right now, skip one through three, uh, or wow. at the least just just watch like a playthrough of them on YouTube, because they're basically impossible, and not <laughs> in a you know, and of course, it's it's not a like a platform or anything like that. It's a, it's impossible in the sense that the first three were not some they they weren't really point and click. They were type in the action that your character is supposed to do, which is fine, except for when you have to do random things like search the seat of the space pod you're in <laughs> to find an item that you have to have to get farther in the game, and there are like a couple dozen ways to die. And, uh... It's like Blake's kind of game. It's, it does sound like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> if Blake liked point-and-click adventure games, he would probably like Space Quests 1 through 3. Because it's like random... You have to randomly think to type in, like, a very specific command uh, to end up, you know, finding, for instance, like, an item or something that you have to have. And that's pretty much... Space Quest 3 is a little bit better than 1 and 2 in this regard. But still, it's 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 pretty much impossible to play... Unless you're just reading directly and playing line by line with a walkthrough, That's which uh, if you know if you're doing that for me, if I'm doing that, I might as well just be watching the game, which which I did. I watched all the three all three of them, um, before I you know I played the first one for a little bit and I was like this just isn't working. So I watched that one, watched the second, watched the third one. They're pretty much the same, and then I played Space Quest Four, which was the first Space Quest that I ever played growing up as well. Um, now. Now, the Space Quest series is kind of like the Galaxy Quest or Spaceballs of uh, oh, wow. of adventure games. So it's like, uh, so, you know, of course it's a science fiction theme, as you could tell by the name Space Quest. But it's also got a really, it's also got like a really strong humor slant to it. 
So, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole premise of the game is you're a, you're a space plumber. Or no, not plumber, I'm sorry, you're a janitor. You're a space janitor, and you, get, you keep getting caught up in these uh, situations where you end up having to, to save the world or, like, save the galaxy. And then, like, for instance, at the end of the first one, they, uh, they, they have this big parade for you or whatever, and they congratulate you for, and thank you for saving the galaxy, and they give you a golden mop and say, once a janitor, always a janitor. <laughs> and so, so you, so Roger Wilco, he's never able to to pass this stage of his life where he's he's never able to ascend beyond janitor, no matter what he does to save the universe or whatever. So, Space Quest Four starts off with him basically. He, you're, Roger Wilco, you're sitting in a bar and you're talking to some aliens, and he's talking about all his exploits and all these great things he's done. Uh, and all of a sudden, these these guys come in and that and these really intimidating guys come in. They take him out of the bar and, uh, and start interrogating him. They basically say they're going to take him back to one of his old, one of the old boss, one of the old, like, uh, villains from one of the other games is, is there to catch him. And all of a sudden, these other guys jump in who are, like, time travelers. They shoot a hole in time for you to jump through. You jump through time, and you're not in Space Quest 4 anymore. You're in Space Quest 12. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of what gets the whole game started off, and, it actually opens up with a pretty funny cinematic. Well, not not even a cinematic. It's it's with the in-game engine where, to just to kind of give you an idea of of the humor of the games, uh, it shows you the bar that that you're in before it shows you the inside of the bar. And the first thing you see in the game is a is an alien stumbling out of the bar, uh, drunk, and then he throws up, and then accidentally steps in his vomit, and it disintegrates him. So that's kind of what you're working with here. So. Space Quest Four. You're 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 traveling through time. At one point, you end up in Space Quest Ten, which is it, it says the title of the of whatever Space Quest you're in at the top of the screen. And at one point, you go to Space Quest Ten, which is uh, uh the Latex Babes of Estros. And so basically, you're trying to just to to to, to get back to Space Quest Four. You're trying to to beat the or you're, you're yeah you're basically trying to defeat the villain who's trying to kill you. Um, now the thing about Space Quest Four is it's got humor. It's got for its time. It, it, it's it's the first Space Quest with two fifty six color graphics, so it looked really good for its time. It's also the first one with actual voice acting, seventy five percent of which sounds like they just grabbed a random pro- programmer to say the lines. <laughs> but um, so the the I, I think the draw to this game, aside from its humor, is kind of. Not not just the graphical visuals, but kind of the way they they realize the worlds, and it's kind of like it, it's really you want to see what's in the next you know what's in the next area or what's in the next place you can get to, um, and of course there's the puzzle aspect of it too, where you're trying to figure out what you're doing, what you know what items you need. The downfall of Space Quest Four is kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same problem that the other Space Quests had, where there are some parts of it where you just you you almost have to you almost have to have some sort of guide in order to beat the game. Uh, at one point, you are you, you sneak into a a, a time traveling shuttle that you stole from uh, from one of the other time traveling guys who's trying to hunt you down, and you have to push some buttons. When you're in, when you're sitting inside it, there's a screen, and you have to push some buttons in in a certain order that pop symbols up on the screen to travel to the next part of the game. Uh, now, that's fine once you figure out what what 
what buttons you're supposed to press and everything. But guess what? When you when you jumped into the shuttle, there were there was a list of symbols on the screen already. And if you didn't write down what those symbols were, you're completely fucked. Because you have to have those symbols to get back to this part of the game later on. Which you have to do to be able to beat the game. So, if you don't know to do that, you're just fucked. Because you can't ever get past the next part. You can't ever get past get back to this part of the game. And there's other spots where, like... There, there are so many spots where if you don't have... If you don't save, like, every five seconds... You can walk into a situation that you absolutely cannot get out of without being killed. You might walk into like one screen over from where you are, and there's some there's somebody there that just like shoots you and you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't have a save, um, then you can't get back. Or, or if 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 you don't, even if you have a save, you might have saved at the wrong spot where it's too late and there's no way to get out of the situation you are without dying. So you have to have you have to make sure you. You basically have to make sure you start a new save. You you save a new save every time you save the game, and then you also get into this to this trap that some of these older games fell into, where anytime something happens, you you stop and save the game. So like every thirty seconds to three minutes, you you stop and save the game just because the, you don't know if the next screen you walk into it's gonna you're just gonna walk the wrong direction and there's gonna be a guy there that shoots you. Um, and then there's this one scene where. These the, the 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 guys who are who are chasing you, you're in like a space mall, and they find you there, and you have to walk in this very specific pattern throughout the mall, uh, which there's no way of knowing. You just kind of have to figure it out, and then you end up in a this part where you can like float. It's like a skating rink basically where people will like float skate, and you have to float in just the right directions for them not to shoot you while you're in that part of the game. In order to keep, to keep from dying. Um, so, it, uh, Space Quest Four kind of holds a really like fond part of my heart, but there were there's there there are aspects of it that are just uh, inarguably poor design because it, it tries like doing mechanic based gameplay when it's not a mechanic based game, and that's not you know what the whole uh, point and click system of it was built for. Uh, but at the same time, unlike Space Quest 1 through 3, I felt compelled to actually play through this on, on my own. Even though, even if I did pull out a guide for like most of the last half of the game, I really wanted to make it through, just kind of see what happened and to see kind of what, what new stuff they were going to throw at me. Whereas I, I just did not have the, uh, the desire to do that on Space Quest 1 through 3. So... So that's Space Quest Four. I, I guess we can't really have a conversation about this one because you guys have never played it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, well, my, my thought during majority of this, like, it seems like there is more negative stuff about it that you talked about than the positive. Did you actually yeah. enjoy it? You know, I, I, so like, would you would you recommend it? How about that? I, I, I don't know. You know, mo- I, I'll say most of it probably was nostalgia for me. Okay, there that is, makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> That's a lot of it. There, there are definitely things to enjoy about this game, like the, uh, like the humor. The, you know, even though the graphics are old, the, just like I said, the way that they present the locations and, and like some of the creatures and things, it's really fun to see. Um, if it weren't for the nostalgia, I would say that the design of the gameplay, that the, that the bad aspects of the gameplay design, 
would probably overweigh the fun things about it. So, you know, if, if I didn't know anything about this game and I was just buying it and had never played it, I might still kind of have the desire to go through with a guide just to beat it and see what happens, but I wouldn't have enjoyed it nearly as much. So, yeah, it, 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 I'd say nostalgia is a big part of it. There, I'm guilty you know, of that as well, don't worry. I try to convince my girlfriend to play games all the time only because it's nostalgic to me. Oh, yeah, and, I, and, that's, and obviously, you know, that, there's nothing wrong with that. If, if you enjoy it for nostalgia, then you enjoy <laughs> it still. Um, from an objective viewpoint, I'd have to say, you know, you got to give it some some slack, obviously, because it's an old game and the industry hadn't quite figured out how how to handle this kind of stuff. But from a modern objective viewpoint, I would have to say that there probably are more negatives <laughs> than positives oh. to this game. Just just given the just given the way it's so unforgiving, in that you can you know just get in a situation where there's there's no turning back. And there are like items that I picked up in the game that I never ended up using the entire game. And like, there's this, there's an energizer bunny walking around this one part, and you have to hide behind a pole. You have to hide behind a pole, and put a rope on the ground, and wait for the energizer bunny to walk up. And then you yank it, and you capture him, and you can get a battery out of his back. And I swear, I never used the battery the entire game. <laughs> I saw. I don't even know what the point of me doing that was. Um, yeah, it's probably one of those unused guns kind of kind of things where it's just there to throw you off. I guess. I, I it was, I, I feel like I could have probably used it on something that was maybe not necessary to beat the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it just, it kind of it kind of befuddled me there, and there were there were multiple things like that where I get an object like like in the walkthrough that I was reading. There's literally one part where you come up on a car or like a hovercraft, and you can take the power source out of it, and it says, "Look at the hovercraft, take the power source out, and then put it back." And then you walk off and make me look like Fallout. <laughs> so, so, so again, you know, I, I had a good time playing it. If if you're not familiar with the Space Quest games, and it's not they're not something that you grew up on, you know, may, maybe do the same thing for this one as as I did for the first three, which is watch a walkthrough of it because it's it's got stuff to enjoy, <clears throat> but gameplay wise, it's it's just got way too many things that bog down the experience and. And sort of punish you for playing rather than reward you, I guess, is how I would cap that off. Well, is that is that an episode this time? I think so. Yeah, I think that's it. Nothing else to cover? No, I think we I think music was something that I didn't touch on enough, but I think Blake did a great job of just you know, making and, it work. And actually I'm glad you said that because Space Quest the Space Quest series in general, but especially with kinda of like the the, the improved sound on Space Quest 4. It does have an awesome soundtrack. That's good. Um, throughout most of the game, it's more like ambient stuff, but like the opening screen and like certain things, like when you travel through time, the uh, the soundtrack is really cool. It's kind of, it's like a Star Trek, Star Trek. It's like a Star Trek-esque kind of, kind of theme. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's really awesome. So yeah, Star I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> it's like a Star Trek track. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it that as well. Um, well, if that's it, you know, hopefully one day we'll have a, like a mail section, you know, where, 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 where listeners can send in this thing, these this, this, these things called emails. Oh, I think you're saying uh, you guys like know about this stuff, like these emails, you can read them on your computers. It's like it's kind of like mail, but you get it on your computer. That's too newfangled for me. It's too well. I think we're well. Hopefully, I, I set up an I set up an email account for so so. First of all, 
I guess we'll start our outro here. Be sure to check out our website, uh, classicgamingpodcast.com. Um, if you want to send us an email, ask us any questions, send in maybe requ- requests for yeah, games. Yeah, say requests for games. Yeah, requests for games for us to play, questions, anything. You know, or just, just say fuck you and that's it. That's that's cool. We'll take that as <laughs> that well. Works too, like, um, it works too, I guess. As long as you're 18 or older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you want to send us any of those kinds of emails, <laughs> do so at mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Also, and this, I'm going to catch some shit, I think, from you guys for this, but the, the closest Twitter account, the Twitter name I could get for our podcast is Class Games Cast. So follow wow. us. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Class Games Cast. Um, follow me on Twitter. I'm King Octavius. Jay, we're I don't really use Twitter anymore. You don't really? Uh, I'm not a big Twitter person. Scrub. Such a, uh, oh, no, sorry. You're such a, what, what do they call? What do they call people like you? Uh, douchebags. Apes. <laughs> 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 That's what I was looking for. I just don't uh, like checking Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> Blake, how about you? Uh, I am on Twitter at Slackaholicus. Slackaholicus, and again. Check, check out Blake's uh, Twitch stream, which is... Uh, Twitch.tv slash Slackaholicus. All right. And I think that does it for this episode. Well, and, and I think we're going to... We're, we're not going to be a weekly podcast. We're planning on doing this. I think our uh, what we discussed was... Our, our goal is every two weeks. And at, yeah. the most, at, 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 the, at the least, it'll be every three weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, that works. All right. So keep an eye out for the next episode. And we will see you then. Thanks for listening.